0: Answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McClain would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome
1: to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McClain. Glad you're joining us today as we talk about financial matters and Kind of in the middle of summer right now. The first part I think July fourth always feels like summer's really rolling, which is coming up this week, which would be no? <laughs> Is that how it works? For me, no?
2: Isn't it? It's it's more dependent upon the weather for me. Like when it gets really hot the Sacramento Valley. It's like this is summer. This okay. is summer. Anyway. But um, that's
1: my that's my indicator. Okay. But we are here talking about um financial matters and helping you make wise choices with your money. And of course, as always, we've got a great program lined up. And one of the things we're going to talk about, that might not sound too exciting, but um, how the onset of Alzheimer's, or whether, or not just or,
2: or any sort of uh,
1: cognitive impairment, uh, which with- could be caused by medication. I remember I had a client it was always a do-it-yourselfer. Still went on a medication, and his doctor said, "Do not make any major financial decisions now you're on this medication." Yeah, it so really hard for him.
2: We're gonna talk a little bit about that and how to safeguard uh, your y- yourself or your your parents or your loved ones, because uh, we see a lot of it. I mean, we put alerts on certain accounts in our firm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. uh, Because we're worried about the particular clients and the financial decisions they make, where it actually any one time they talk to someone in the firm, it actually alerts that says, hey. Yeah, yeah. You know, either scam alert or someone's family member's at the money or the client themselves probably needs some counseling about what they're doing with the money.
1: Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, of course, we'll take your calls. And if you want to join us. Eight three three. No. Is that right? Eight three three. Yeah, toll free. Eight three three ninety nine worth is the number. Again, 99 worth. That will get you um yes on on the air. Yeah. And um why don't we start right off with calls today? We're gonna talk with Tom. Tom, you've got Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of all worth's money matters. How can we help you?
3: Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you,
1: Tom. Thanks uh, for joining my, us.
3: My question um, regards Social Security. Um, I have a pension through my employer of uh, Cincinnati, and um, I'm, mem- I'm going to be a, a victim of the Windfall Elimination Program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you guys have heard any kind of uh, bills being introduced to eliminate that or if you think that is, Nothing. is a possibility <clears throat> at all. No. I haven't heard it
2: and I would doubt uh that they would they might when you say the word eliminate it I doubt they would eliminate it although they may actually trim it around the edges um so for the rest of the listeners especially there in uh Cincinnati um where we actually have an office the windfall elimination provision actually applies oftentimes to teachers and sometimes railroad workers. And it has. And to, government employees that don't participate in Social Security. For some yeah, government pre- employees. Pre- pre- that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what it does is it actually limits the amount of Social Security benefit that so one could receive. Is
1: your hope, Tom, that there's going to be some change in the legislation that's going to increase your benefit?
3: I would sure hope so. Um, that's money that I earned and, you know, it was taken away from me and, you know, it's for my retirement and I'm going to probably collect about two thirds of it. And to me, it's basically almost like theft, you know, taking money that was taken out of my check for me. And, you know, somebody, you know, is taking the liberties to distribute part of my money where I don't want it to go. Wait,
2: wait, what you just described sounds a lot like taxation,
3: Unfortunately. Confiscating.
2: You <laughs> call it confiscating,
1: digging the money Bam. and putting
2: it in places. That That's what he feels like. Some places I hear you. where I didn't want here's, it to go. So here's, the, uh, so we you
1: know, we actually follow legislation quite a bit when it, it pertains to retirement income issues and retirement planning issues and taxes around those, mm-hmm. those things. I have not in my I've been doing this almost 30 years. I have not in 30 years seen anything introduced in legislation that would change that. And I would not,
2: uh, uh, in your financial planning, in the process for your financial planning for retirement, I would not uh, put any sort of caveats in there that, that, that it's going to change. Yeah. So when no, you do I'm this, just accept ex- it as yeah, for what it is. Tom is taxation. And if someone out there wants to tell me that social security isn't a form of taxation, uh, I will argue with them all day long. It is a form of taxation. It is a safety net. Well, the dollars you paid in are not equally paid out. That's right. just the fact of the matter. No, and
1: most high-income earners today going in, going into – in the past, it was different. Going into retirement today, most people are not going to get a good return on their money that was put in. That's correct. Lower-income people? Yes. Right. More than. Yeah. So I, okay. But they I'd rather get a
3: – They call that a, an entitlement. Well, it drives me crazy. I – quite frankly – Because you're not entitled to it. That's why it drives you
1: crazy, right, Tom?
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but I would much my rather – My money.
2: I would much rather accept a lower rate of return on my Social Security um, – than uh, making less money. Those are the alternatives. If you want a higher rate of return on Social Security, then you have to make less money in retirement.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: All Right. One right. other you, quick there? question Go I had it. is, um, I'm a divorced male uh, in my mid-50s. And from what I understand, my ex-wife, whatever her Social Security is, if it would be higher than mine, I'm eligible for hers. And if that is correct, how do you go about yeah. finding that out? You
1: no, know, so you could be in if assuming you don't remarry by that point, you could be entitled mm-hmm. to a spousal benefit, which would be fifty percent of her benefit. So either your benefit oh, okay. yeah, so it's not her benefit. Unfortunately, <laughs> Tom, you called hoping for a couple good answers on social security and he got nothing. <laughs> I got
3: a, got so, a big zero. <laughs> yeah, sorry.
1: So I mean the key really, particularly in your mid fifties, is to is to plan uh, for what your estimate is. Um and the you know, and you've got the windfall elimination provision, which I don't know why they call it a windfall because I'm certainly sure doesn't feel like a windfall to it's you just the opposite. if yeah it feels like theft to you, but uh the the ideal is to plan with what reality is and not what you might hope would happen, so I appreciate the call uh, very much, Tom, and it'll be interesting there's there clearly will be some changes in social security. I don't think it's gonna be for the better of most uh retirees, yeah I guess. yes, yes. <laughs>
2: It will only it, the, the changes will be it's uh, just. Just look at the math. Yeah, it, it it won't necessarily. It's just to keep it stable or in place. Yeah, I don't know if the word stable is the right word. In place, yeah. it's not going away. No, it will not go away. No for way. yeah, so security is not going no, to no, go no, away. No. The benefits for some people will absolutely go away, or well, be re- could be reduced in the future. Uh, okay, could be. I, Your I point is here if. if If I was retiring and my income was going to be over $125,000, just draw a line in the sand. I wouldn't be counting on any of the Social Security Security benefit for uh, uh,
1: going forward. I read an article. Where did I see this? It was this week. It said that the uh, average income for a 66-year-old couple was like, retired, was like $89,000. And they didn't back up their source. I'm like... What? Where are you living? I mean, (laughs) mean, clearly certain neighborhoods and maybe the type of people who hire financial advisors, but not across the... uh, Not the average. I'm like, I guess it was fake news. I don't... (laughs)
0: Whatever that is,
1: whatever that
3: means.
0: (laughs) Have you ever
2: thought about how news reports fake news? Is that really news? (laughs)
1: That would probably not be news. There we go. Yeah, all right, thank you. That would in and of itself <laughs> Correct. We could go in circles all day long. And now let's go with Ed. Ed, you're with All Worth's Money Matters.
4: Good afternoon. Or I guess it would be good morning for you folks calling from the East Coast. How yeah. are you today?
1: Good. How you doing?
4: Good, good. Um, Got about a hundred thousand dollar in Roths, and we have about eight hundred thousand split across a variety of IRAs, four hundred one ks, four hundred three bs, and within one of those four hundred one ks, I've got eight hundred. I'm sorry, eighty thousand in an ESOP with a cost basis of about I don't know five 000, six thousand dollars, and I guess the question is. You know, I've heard about net unrealized yeah. appreciation yep. and like, do I do that now or do I do that when I retire? I'm 60. I'll probably be retiring in six or seven years. Do I, do I exercise that now or do I wait till I'm, uh, you know, in retirement and start to draw down on those funds?
1: Um, is the company paying a dividend?
4: Yes. Do I mention the company?
1: It doesn't matter, but uh,
4: it, 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 U, UTC, UTC, So I'm sure you've heard of them, and they're they're getting ready to split up too, which is another reason. Supposedly they're break uh, they're going to be breaking the company up into three next year. And I'm from what I understand, it's going it, to there's going to be some upside when the company breaks up into three more. Companies, because so because
1: I, you're over fifty nine and a half and still working, you do have the legal uh, from tax standpoint ability to to take the stock. Uh, and for for you out there that wonder what the heck's net unrealized appreciation either in a 401k or an esop instead of rolling those dollars over into an ira which is an option if you just receive the stock ed would be taxed on the the his cost basis 5 grand and yep. the 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 $75,000 gain would just wouldn't be realized until at some point in the future when he sold the stock at which point it'd be a long term uh, capital gain. Unfortunately, if you end up passing away, that gain is not forgiven as a um, stepped up basis like other assets. But other than that, it's a beautiful strategy.
2: And it hits, you hold the shares, not units. So some 401ks will actually show, yeah. will show so did, the sh- that it has to be in shares, not units.
1: Will your employer allow you to take the distribution now?
4: Uh, it's my former employer. Oh, oh yeah, easy, I would, easy, for sure. Easy,
2: easy. easy. Yeah, yeah it, okay. It, and so it kind of depends on what your income is for the year, mm-hmm. uh, but that's such a small number anyway. I would do it now.
4: I would. I too. mean, we're probably in the twenty-two or is it the twenty-four percent tax bracket? Yeah, yeah, but it's days. only five thousand is your basis. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, it's only five
1: grand.
2: It's yeah, not, so it's not, it's so I would do number. it now. I wouldn't even I wait would too.
1: right now. Okay,
2: I'd start on That'd it next week
1: because and sometimes what we found is the plan administrators. You talk to someone, and it could be administered by someone who's answering 401K calls all the time, or, and they don't even know what you're talking about. So. Expect it to go.
4: Yeah, they, they, they seem to know when I okay. call them. They okay. seem okay. to have some idea of what I was talking okay. about. But I, I think I'll still seek professional yeah, advice. Yeah, because I can't tell you
1: how many times we've had to coach. I mean, I, literally, I've done conference calls with 401K administrators because they don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Expect it to yeah. go badly. Yeah.
2: Ex- <laughs> ex- ex- truly, expect it to go poorly. We've done this a number of times. And we tell the clients from the beginning, this is why we're doing it, but expect this to go poorly, and it's not our fault. It's the administrators <laughs> right. because we want to prep the clients. But ESOPs are different than the 401
1: k. That's true.
2: But it, this works right. with 401K as well. So. Right.
4: It, like I say, it's, a, it's an ESOP within yep. a 401K is the way I, the way I understand
2: okay, it. Okay, do it so tomorrow.
1: I, that's a great <laughs>
2: strategy. Ed. Okay. So since your great. first question was pretty good, your second question. <laughs>
4: Ah, uh, okay. Uh, uh, get, given where we are, um, you know, I'm 60, my young bride is 57 and three quarters. Um, like I say, we're in a 22 or 24% tax bracket. Does it make sense to transfer or, or switch more money to our Roth? Right now we got about 100 in Roth, about 800 in...
5: What state are in?
4: We're in um, the low tax state of Connecticut. That's a oh, joke. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I would not. <laughs> yeah, don't do it.
2: Yeah, well, well, you gonna are you going to leave Connecticut like you, everyone else? You have to move no, to Florida when no. you retire, don't our, you? Our,
4: our children won't let us, so we're going to stay in Connecticut. Okay. So, um, yeah. So you it think is Connecticut taxes
1: state. are going up or down?
4: <laughs> it, it, oh, oh. <laughs> they're, they're going yeah they're going up there's no there's well you no want to talk about
1: You. it's really been Connecticut has been a fascinating state to watch because they used to have low income taxes and then they, they had, had
4: all these no it, income tax we had yeah. no income yeah. tax yeah
1: and they attracted a lot of the hedge funds private yep. equity firms right yep. and now they're one of the highest tax states and all those people leaving I've heard about and you know better than I am but the neighborhoods where home values are dropping like a rock because like people in, are leaving
2: around the uh, oh, yeah. around the Ridgefield area and, and uh, correct, they're just imploding.
3: Greenwich
2: that area and sure, Greenwich, right, sure. which is right next to Ridgefield, they're just imploding. Yep. These multi, yeah. You know what the problem with Connecticut though is, Ed? Too many trees. It's too many what trees. Too many we trees. trees. Too many trees. You know, I was I was back there uh, in in Ridgefield. We're driving down the road. You on both sides, nothing but trees. Actually, now, Connecticut's very. Beautiful. You couldn't see anything but trees. <laughs>
4: That's a, well. That's the one thing we like. We okay. like. We like about the state.
2: So, uh, no on the Roth. And your third question is:
4: Oh, um, pension, Social Security is going to be about I don't know, eighty-five, ninety a year. When you're doing your retirement portfolio, you know your breakdown of, of uh, equities versus fixed. Do you regard that eighty-five, ninety as you know your fixed income portion? Does,
1: does that make so any sense? Here's what you're talking about. You're, you're, you're talking about a rational view along with human emotions. Mm-hmm. So pure for, for textbook from a rational standpoint we could certainly say your pension is 100% fixed. Let's view this as a, let's figure out what the net present value of that is. Let's view this as a bond portfolio and it might lead you to say, "Oh, because this is fixed income, I'm going to be 100% in stocks in the rest of my portfolio." Then what happens is when reality hits And the markets are going south, and you're watching your portfolio decline. You're thinking, holy crud, my life savings is dwindling away here. And you have a tendency to forget that
2: idea that your pension is part of your fixed income.
1: Right, right.
2: So it's up to you. Yeah.
4: It's up to you. But at, at least, I guess, somewhat regarding it as part of your—you um, certainly could. There's that income oh, is, you know, if not, if not to the look. dollar.
2: Uh, so Ed, uh, uh, this is the conversation we have with clients. If those dollars they're not needed for their lifestyle in any way, shape, or fashion. So we have clients that have so much money, so much income coming in, that. I, we tell them, look, you can have 100% of it in cash or you can have 100% of it in equity. Your choice. Your choice, because it doesn't matter. You don't, it's not going to be for your life. It'll it's, be someone else's. Right, It'll right. be for someone else's life because your, your fixed income is X. So mm-hmm. normally, we just split the difference. Yep. We yep. just split the difference.
4: Yeah, that sounds about, I mean, that's kind of where I'm leaning, uh, you know, when retirement maybe a 70, 30 or 60, 40. It really
2: comes
1: to down work. to Perfect. what, I mean, if you're, yeah. and it depends if, if you're living off those dollars,
4: Not so, you know, not so
1: much. I think we could probably get by on the eighty-five or ninety. And and you might say, you might say, you know what? Let's let's peel off one. Let's peel off X dollars in one IRA, and let's view these dollars as money when we're ninety years old. And, mm-hmm. and, or money that's probably going to go to the kids unless we both get really sick or something, right? And yeah, then you say, I've yeah. got a really long-term perspective. I don't even need to worry about that. I'm going to ignore when the markets go south, realizing that over – Look, if you go to – there's never been a 20-year period where stocks have not outperformed bonds. Right, right. And if you look at a 15-year period, you have a 99.9% chance of a positive return based on history. So looking at those odds – one would could certainly argue that you should have more to weighted towards equities, but it comes down to what do you need income wise. Number one, number two, what are you comfortable with? So, I think you're looking at things the right way. So appreciate the call. Hey, thank you. Yeah, you're in great shape. Bye bye. Thanks, Ed. All right, Pat. Rather than uh, we'll take some more calls in the second segment here, but uh, we talked at the beginning of the program on Alzheimer's
2: and. and You know, even
1: my own father,
2: uh, who was in a nursing home before he died, um, and was in and out of a number of different ones, because he actually would start to get a little bit better, and we would move him home with a caretaker, into his home with a caretaker. Um, And then... How many homes was he in? Five. Some as little as a week, and some for months at a time, and he finally ended up at this board and care, which was a great place for him which is a board and care is a small residential facility versus a large one. But at one of these facilities, uh, someone um, got a hold of his, uh, y- you know, there's this fight where you want them to have some reasonable feeling of um, self-control, so I I left his wallet with him. And then one of those, someone got into his wallet and took his ATM and got his pin, which I wasn't worried about it because I'm like, ah, They'd have to have the pin number to get to the uh, to the ATM, and they went around uh, Northern California and took money out of his. How they get his pin? I think he Probably gave from it him, to him. Yeah, I think he gave it to him, and I don't know. You know, I have no idea what was going on there. I don't know if it was uh, someone that worked at the facility or whether it was an old friend of his or whatever, um, and. Uh, at one point in time, someone got a hold of one of his credit cards and uh, went and used it around town. So you slide. would not
1: recommend leaving the wallet with someone? I would not yeah. recommend. Uh, and it, you know, it
2: happened, and we didn't know he had any cognitive impairment when it took place.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes even the medication when you're at the stage can cause some of these issues. Or just a bad day. But I, I remember talking with a gentleman whose uh, father um, had been had paid for long-term care insurance for like 10 or 12 years. Came down with Alzheimer's. This was, he was still on his own, living independently. And decided to quit making his premium payments on his long-term care insurance. Just for whatever reason, just stopped paying him after 10 or 12 years. Not a couple months, but 10 or 12 years when he needed the actually, when he probably needed the coverage the most, the insurance company canceled him because the policy lapsed because he quit banking premium yeah. payments. And I don't know what the outcome's last. I talked to the individual; he was fighting with the insurance company. And um, so, there. This is a study
2: uh, that has come out from. Uh, it includes Duke Health and uh, which and Duke University School of Medicine, which is this misperception that financial difficulties occur only in the late stages of dementia. In fact, financial difficulties or the, the, the difficulty in ones managing their own money or resources oftentimes will present itself early in an Alzheimer's cycle. So
1: as you said you didn't know your dad had
2: any cognitive impairment didn't know and in, in fact after the fact it, it, we never we never knew it, it i don't know if he was involved in no, it whatever. or not yeah, okay. right <laughs> <laughs> some you scam know, i don't
1: you don't know cuz he had so much money in his bank account well, yeah saying.
2: yeah well, well fortunately we limited the amount of um, money that was kept in his account for reasons uh, such as this um, and the fact that there wasn't a ton of money. So there were two reasons it was uh, limited. <laughs> one, I didn't have much. That was an easy one. <laughs> that was the easy part. So it's, there, there's something called preclinical stages of uh, dementia, which is when the sufferer of Alzheimer's or dementia, um, it can happen in both those situations, will actually start to show some loss of financial abilities uh, early on in the disease. So how do you protect against this? Right, it's your children. Uh, if you're the child of someone, or if or it's maybe your spouse, you or maybe even you one day, it's you have to get people involved that you trust. You have to get them involved with someone you trust. And the
1: hard thing, I think, the challenge is so, so often, um, you know, our culture, we are very private on our finances. And people share all kinds of other issues, very personal issues, before they share. Before Finance. they share their finances, that's yes. they'll share their sexual history. They'll share all kinds of stuff before they share before they'll share their finances. And so, it's, I mean, can you imagine being out, out uh, at uh, dinner with a bunch of guys and everyone's sitting there talking about their exact fine their finances and where well, they talk about everything else? I know, but they they I mean they might brag on things they purchased or if someone hit. Some okay. might brag if they hit a home run on something.
2: Yeah, and they actually... So my kids call that flexing. They go, well, that guy was flexing when they start kind of hinting at that they're hitters or... All right, whatever. They call <laughs> flexing. But my back to this... My point. To this is it's okay to ask mom and dad if uh, you suspect this, that you actually get copies of their... Um, or their checking account or their bank statements, or you get copies of their bills. Most certainly, brokerage firms and firms like ourselves can CC someone else, or you could get passcodes to your parents' uh, financial and taking over bill paying. Yes. The issue arises between siblings themselves, which is the mistrust between siblings. We've seen this dozens and dozens of times. Where one says I'm going to take over mom's finances, and the other one says, "Well, what what's in it for you?" Um, and the other is with the parents, the ability they to let you do that. Um, but
1: and there you, are independent trustees you can hire for something like this. And you
2: and I recommended that to a family recently where there were three children, and there's a lot of finger pointing. And I said, you know. No one trusts each other around you guys. And mom and dad have mom has plenty of money. Why don't we uh, hire an independent trustee that will do all the bill paying and make sure that the dollars are taken care of? And if mom can agree on it, everyone's fine. And uh, unfortunately, you know. they, they they passed the person passed away before they got there. Oh. but that was a, it was the solution. It was a solution because those kids were fighting. That was some serious fighting,
1: and it's not unusual to see that. Yeah, and know. it's and make sure that there's safeguards in place you mentioned Pat not having too much money on one particular account if you're dealing if your mom, if you've got let's say you've got a parent that is um had the same financial advisor with the same firm for years uh, don't, i mean feel free to reach out to that firm directly I'll talk to them yeah talk i mean we've you. had those conversations or get or ask for
2: uh you know a POA if mom or dad are comfortable giving you a power of attorney on the uh, on the account
1: yeah so you can um yeah can yeah, help. But you'll want to you'll want to at least make sure that. Uh, and most good financial firms kind of keep an eye out for this sort of things. Well, we do when there's suddenly a change in spending for a senior person. Like, oh. what's happening here? Yeah. Or of uh, there's an. Um, we had one where someone called up
2: and wanted fifty thousand dollars because we asked why, and they had uh, thought they had won a large lottery and had to pay the taxes first.
1: Oh, my! So. All right. This is depressing. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue with some more calls. This is All Worth's Money Matters with Scott Hanson, Pat McLean. We'll be right back.
0: Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Allworth, of course, is
1: formerly Hanson McClain. Allworth Money Matters with Scott Hanson and Pat McLean. To join our program, if you want to call... 833-99-WORTH is the contact number, 833-99-WORTH. And let's hit some phones here. We're going to talk with Scott. Scott, you're with All Words Money Matters.
6: Thank you so much for taking my call. My ultimate question is going to be, should I continue to invest in my 401k Roth, or should I just be investing in a regular 401k? Before I get there, I'd like to thank both of you. Because um, to the age of 45, I'd worked in private industry, and then I eventually started a job with the state. And during my beginning time with the state, I would sit there on Saturday mornings and listen to you guys. And every time the uh, buying airtime would come up, you guys would say, if I had a chance to buy airtime, I would also buy it. So when my opportunity after my five years with the state came up, I did go ahead and buy my airtime, which I am, will always be grateful to both of you for always telling people to do it if they had the opportunity.
2: Well, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Scott. And Scott, so as, it wasn't hard to predict that that they were going to stop the sale of airtime at some point in time uh, just because it was so burdensome on the pension. Yeah, and
1: for the rest of you that don't work for the state, there was a time when uh, you can buy five additional years of pension. And essentially, you, you shift the risk from yourself to to the state of California, and the rate of return was somewhere between 75 and 8.5% guaranteed with a cost of living adjustment. Yes. And so it was so- kind of a... Um- so it,
2: when you, you
6: can buy it, when you buy it early, you buy it at the lower yeah. salary. Correct. Rate. So <laughs> so it done, yeah. Increase your salary yeah. it even becomes a better bargain. Yep. Scott,
2: yeah. and, and
1: uh, thank you. Uh, and at the same time, and darn you because you caused my taxes I, to go I up. Actually, the other, the other evening I was having dinner. It was a large group dinner, and I was talking to a gentleman across the way that he had had a break in service when he was young. Took He had worked for the state or some municipality that participated in PERS took his money out, and now he was looking at buying it back in because he could buy four and a half years, and i like, like begging him to. Same yeah. kind of conversation we had with you. So
2: so thank you for that. So let's get to your uh, Roth versus non-Roth 401k. So I'm
6: curren- yeah, so I'm currently 56. I'm probably one of your low-income people. I listen to people talk about what am I going to do with my half million or million dollars, and I'm like, oh. That's not me. Anyway, so I have, a, I have 11 and a half years in. I'm shooting for 20. Um, I have my 401k from when I worked in private industry. Um, I did make a huge mistake during the recession and invested in something I shouldn't have, so I'm left with $60,000 left of that. I, to pay for my, um, my airtime, I just used what I had saved during the five years through the state. Savings Plus, and then I paid it off as quickly as possible over a two-year period, so I wouldn't be paying seven and a half percent for a really long time. So I have the sixty thousand that are it's sitting in a regular, you know, four hundred one k, and then I, when I restarted my savings again, you know, for retirement, I just put it into a Roth because I thought, oh, I need to balance these out so that you know when the time comes. I have a place. But I was thinking when I retire, when I hit the 20 years at 65 or 66, I'm going to go ahead and my pension will be $3,000 a month gross. So that'll be $36,000 a year. So I'm not going to have a lot of – I'm not going to be like in some super high tax bracket where I'm having to take distribution. So I just – what's, what's, so
1: your, what's your family income now? First of all, are you single or married?
6: I'm single, and I currently take home about $2,300 a month, and I live comfortably on that because frugal. What, what's your I'm not gross? I'm but I am frugal. Pardon me? What's
1: your gross income?
6: My gross income is about, it, this year will be 50
1: I think I Do you plan on staying in California when you retire?
6: I haven't made that decision at this point. It's still down the road.
1: And how much do you have in Roth today?
6: I want to say it's about $15,000.
1: And do you, um, do you own a home?
6: I have a townhouse
1: that I have, I have no debt.
2: I've completely oh. paid off. And you say that you have $60,000 in an IRA that was from your previous employer. Is that correct?
6: Correct. Yes.
1: I think uh, I that's a hard one. You wouldn't? No. I, the chances of uh, – do you
2: know – where would you move if you were going to move out of state?
6: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And why?
2: Would, why would you move?
6: Why would I move? Because I've been to other states like I've visited Indiana, <laughs> and I've seen the way that people, when they get old and they go into um, nursing homes, how, how it's a small town and there, people actually know people versus California where you're put into a mill You know what I mean? Yeah. Where people really don't care about the people that they're they're taking care of. Well, you know,
1: the people that, yeah. yeah. If you think you might uh, leave California, I would use the pre-tax. Yeah, I I would probably not not use the Roth. California, um, both federal and state income taxes for most states are progressive, meaning if you have very low income, you pay very little in taxes. The more income you make, the higher percentage. California is highly progressive, but it ramps up. To nine point three percent, I think I don't remember. What pretty it is, fast, but it's pretty fast. So you're paying a pretty good chunk in. Cal- if you if you switch to the Roth, four hundred one k, your California income tax would go up quite a bit. I'd stick with the traditional. If yeah, I were you, I, I would as well.
6: So I should stop contributing to the Roth at that, this point. That's correct.
1: Well, if you're going to do that, then increase increase what you're contributing to your... So right now... Yeah, so if you're putting I'm in
6: ten, 10... I'm currently doing 10%. Okay,
1: put in four, 13% into
2: the uh, yeah. deductible IRA, or deductible okay. 401k. Right. Okay. And then I got so a question. that should be about the same. I got a question for you. You said you invested in something going into the, in the recession uh, that you shouldn't have. What was it? No one knows who you are, by the way.
6: Uh, so, and I always listen to you guys, always about diversifying, diversifying. And it was i had invested in the silver um stock got it silver ETF. so my my sixty thousand went up to two hundred thousand and then it well, it was probably about eighty thousand and went up to two hundred thousand and then very quickly went back to sixty
2: thousand and and was it sold to you by someone or did you no uh, it was
6: a family member who thought the yeah. economy was going to crash and I would
2: have got nothing it. left. Okay, got it. So so
1: anyway, thank you for taking some of our advice over the
2: years.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, look, look At least, the, heart, the reality is when things are going south and when we're in a tough time, and it was a rough re- recession last time, uh, sometimes our rational thoughts are thrown out the window and our emotions take over. That's I mean, right. Uh, I agree.
6: I, I mean, that just goes through my mind all the time, hearing you guys always, always say that.
1: Well, and, and it's going to happen again in your lifetime, it, it, right? There'll be some down times again and it, scary it, times again.
2: Scott, I have been married uh, to my wife who is an accountant by education, very, very smart person, uh, understands this stuff. But I remember during the market, there was a list of some of our holdings, she wanted, and she wanted me to look at them to see <laughs> if we should continue to own them. and And, and you know what I did? I bought more of the things that she was she was unhappy with
1: because and that's when she left you.
2: <laughs> well, no. no, that would have been a. But the the point being is that is that th- th- there's logic and there's emotion. Um, right. And, yeah. And well, it
6: was the whole. It was the yeah. At that time, everyone was talking about the debt bomb blowing up and the currency falling Here, to nothing. So here's,
1: but it's, but the. <laughs> Right? They, they say that the only bad mistake is one that you, don't, that you forget and repeat again. So, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So I think the key here is when the next time there's a horrible economy, the stock market's off 30%, 40%, it'll happen again. We don't know when. It'll happen again. Just remember back to that. Remember how you felt oh. at that time, and then remember it, re- it recovered because the y- y- United States economy has always Recovered and move
2: forward. So, and if it didn't recover, what good is the silver going to do for you? Yeah. Especially well, this was, stock.
6: It was supposed to go up in value. Understand, so, but but if there's, well, but, 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 run to. but
2: the idea that gold and silver is a store of wealth is such an archaic concept.
1: And if you're going to hold silver or gold.
2: Don't hold it in a traded account. Hold it at home. And hold it next to your guns. Have plenty of guns and and ammunition. And your food and your water. Because if it gets that bad. Because, yeah, if it's that bad, no one's going to eat gold or silver. You can't eat it. Well, you could trade it for
1: food. Well, what? But other people want food. I know the I, food I, I is understand. the food. If it's that bad, you, <laughs> if it's that bad, you hope you're young and strong. Yes, correct. With lots of uh, weapons. Yeah, I guess I don't know.
0: Well,
1: yeah. Anyway, th- appreciate the call, Scott, and uh, thanks for being a. I guess everything's long degrees,
2: isn't
0: it?
1: Every degrees.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: But the key, it it is good, it's good to remember. It, it's good to lose money before you're uh, at retirement age. Oh, yeah. As an investor. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the
2: earlier, the better.
1: And I got to tell you, I'll be real frank. As a financial advisor, when somebody comes in and it either maybe inher- they had some w- – inherited some money or lottery winning or somehow sudden cash, and they've never had an ex- – like they've really never had a 401K or never really saved, never had any losses, um, they're really challenging to bring on as clients because – they've never experienced ups and downs in portfolios, and if anytime you move out of CDs yes. or a savings account you're going to have fluctuation in value that's S- just how. Some, yes and I don't care what you invest in there's going to be fluctuations in that's value cool. and if you haven't had those experiences it's pretty challenging and the key I think is to learn from those experiences see what what actually transpired and how did you react to them it's the usually the reaction our reaction and how we uh, the steps we we take at that point are the ones that cause us the most damage.
2: Assuming, assuming that you have a well-diversified yeah. portfolio to assuming begin you, with. Assuming we
1: didn't make poor choices on the way up. And we're going to continue on uh, again to join the program, eight three three ninety nine worth We're talking with Jamie. Hi, Jamie. You're with All Worth's Money Matters.
5: So uh, the scenario is I'm going to be retiring on July the 5th of this year. I'm 62 years old and my husband is uh, 67 and he's already uh, retired last year and the company is offering um the monthly payment would be 6,000 a month and the lump sum is 1.178 uh, million and i'm not sure what to do um my other financials are joint between my husband and myself um we have 2.6 million in um, 401k. We have 500,000 in cash. Our house is a mortgage free. Uh, my husband gets between pension and uh, Social Security, 3,700 a month. So, uh, my question is what is the best option for me lump sum or what, monthly
1: payment? What do you think you should do?
5: Uh I don't know. Okay. I, I have no idea <laughs> right. what okay. to do. And uh I know a lot of my friends have taken the lump sum from the same company and everybody sort of take it and take take your money Here, and run it. So uh,
1: the the younger you are, the easier that is to well, what which company is it?
5: It's a large HMO. It's uh, Okay, Kaiser.
1: okay. Okay. And the reason I ask is because the, the pensions are have a a guarantee but there, there's, there, the guarantee on it's not $6,000 a month from the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. So if you were retiring from a company that was, had huge pension obligations and were concerned that it was going to be a viable company, then you'd like get the money out of there in case the company goes into bankruptcy and you'd have a degradation on your pension. That's not the case That's here. not the case here.
2: So it, do you believe you have a normal life expectancy?
5: Yes, I do. So part of the challenge is the- and My the, husband, too. The, the younger
1: you are, the more attractive mm-hmm. the lump sum is because the way – think of it this way. Uh, Kaiser looks at it like, all right, we've got 1.1 – let's call it $1.2 million in this uh, p- bucket of money, and we're going to pay out mm-hmm. Jamie $6,000 a month until her normal life expectancy. That's how they've kind of mm-hmm. calculated it. If you die young, before that, they say, oh, isn't that great? We've got money left over. If you live longer, then it, they're going to have to do a lot more money. How most people view this, though, however, is they say, if I have $1.2 million, I need to generate $6,000 a month. I want to maintain my principal because what if I lived in 95? I, right? I, I don't want to spend this thing down to zero by the time my normal life expectancy. If most good financial planning says we need to somehow calculate this so that We've got a reasonable chance that our principal is going to remain intact. And so then right. – the, so the younger we are, the more years the company has to play with, the, the the larger the lump sum is relative to the monthly pension. And the older we get, particularly once we're at 58, mm-hmm. 60, 62, as we start getting older, it makes it a little more challenging to maintain the principal and, and provide that monthly income. So, so, right. Right. so Jamie – it, between you
2: and your husband and you and you'll be eligible for social security as well is that correct
5: yes okay yes. Uh, i'll take it at full retirement age and, sixty-six and, and a half. 66 and
2: and how much will that be a month do you know
5: well the projection it's close to uh 29 something okay so
2: you month. you and your husband uh will you be able to live comfortably on uh twenty uh, twelve thousand five hundred dollars a month? Oh yeah,
5: that's more than enough.
2: Okay. So Scott's calculated what the uh ter- w- and
1: would would you take a survivor benefit on this?
2: Which means that if you were to pass away, there'd be a bene- portion of yeah. those dollars would go to your husband. And what would the monthly yeah, be for the what would the monthly be for the survivor benefit? The full survivor, oh, so which means I I
5: quoted
1: the survival one. Okay. So okay. Six thousand a piece. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the, so, the the if in order to maintain your principal based upon these numbers, you need to earn about six point one percent. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that realistic over the next thirty years with a well diversified portfolio? Yeah, probably. Yeah, but on a year by year basis, no. Anyone's guess. No. So. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've
2: been investing, you and your husband have been investing for a long time because you have mm-hmm. $2.6 million in your 401k. How is those do- How are those dollars in your 401k invested? Are they in stocks or bonds or a combination of the two or do you know?
5: Well, a combination of the two. We have uh, um, the, the co-financial engines within, okay. yep. um, within Fidelity that we have. Uh with our company, and they're kind of managing it. So it's a mixture based on our age.
2: And did you use the balanced portfolio or the growth in income or the growth, do you recall?
5: Balanced. Okay. Uh, Balanced. And
2: this $500,000 in cash, so these are all, you know, we're trying to diagnose uh, kind of the the situation. These $500,000 that you have in cash, um, how -hmm. did that cash come to you? Did you inherit it or did you save it or...? No, save it. Saved it. Okay, and um, d- do you have a brokerage account or stock account or mutual funds anywhere outside of your
1: four hundred one k? Yeah, the
5: brokerage account.
1: It's the five hundred thousand. Okay. The uh, five hundred thousand yeah. and
5: just so like here's maybe 30, it, it, one
1: can make an argument either way, and if it, if it were me at sixty two, if I were in this situation, I would take the lump mm-hmm. sum. But I'm also a professional financial advisor with almost three right. decades experience. So I'm not... If you are my sister, yeah. I would probably tell you to take the monthly for two reasons. Number one, um, earning 6.1% is not the easiest thing to do over the long term. You have to be very disciplined in the markets. Uh, number two, mm-hmm. you already have quite a bit in tax-deferred accounts that are going to have required minimum distributions. But the third, and maybe as strong is my guess is you've accumulated these dollars because you've been quite thrifty over the years. And my guess would be that if you took the lump sum, um, you You would be spend it. You're going to be thrifty until age 70. And then you're going to have required minimum distributions that are going to make things and you won't spend it. You won't spend it. So
5: yeah, I'm not a spender. That's for sure. Although you didn't need to tell us
1: that. Yeah. That's why you have the money, right?
2: Um, so I, I'm inclined to go with Scott, um, and, and and partially part of it being is that the $12,500 so if, if you're, you're listening, where did they come up with the 12500 So if you're taking $6,000 a month, and then you've got $2,600 mm-hmm. in Social Security that's going to kick in at age 66, which is four years, and then we've got mm-hmm. almost $3,700 a month for your husband, you round it up, to 12000 mm-hmm. $12,500 a month. At age 66.
1: Mm-hmm. I would not... I don't think I'd take a joint and 100% survivor benefit, though. Can Why you, wouldn't you? He, she's 62. He's 67. They have no debt in the house. Really? Oh. Well, Just uh, just from a, a, a mortality standpoint, if she wants to protect them, that's probably better off buying uh, term insurance for a period of time. It's just, I mean, there's a five-year difference in age there. I'd have to crunch the numbers. I don't...
2: Uh, I don't say, know. You say it confidently, Scott, so...
5: Well, there's not a huge difference, actually. How from, big is the uh, difference? I mean, you are only talking about $100, $150, or $200. So to me, that's just... Okay. Well, worse. I mean,
2: usually, the, usually okay. there's, there's normally... You, uh, there's several options usually. Yeah, yeah. I question whether that it's just the $100 or $200 a month, because it would normally be quite a bit more than that. In any case. So it's just from what we know about you so far, uh, which is two guys on a radio show that you've never met, you called and asked about your money... <laughs> But you, you, it is good because I mean, the one nice thing with some Jamie knows we're not trying to sell oh, anything. Right? Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a dog yeah. in this fight. I would be inclined to uh, have you take the monthly pension. I agree with Scott. I agree with Scott. And you
1: know, what? everyone's situation's different. So if you, if your other financial situation wasn't like this and other things going on, we might tell you to take the lump sum. Uh, if you were fifty five, we'd probably tell you to take the lump sum, just because because if- the lump sum would be larger. Because you'd be younger, more years that the company has to figure to pay it out. Um, so just because your co-workers are doing one thing doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. And, and by the way. And by the way, most of your
2: co-workers um, don't, don't have this kind of money. Nope. Yeah. yeah. But Guaranteed they probably they drive a work. nicer car.
5: No, they do. They do. We're all about <laughs> the same. But So I should take the monthly payment because. I'm still trying to figure out. Oh, because because
1: it gets you to your objective. It's a it's a, it's a, think of it this way. Okay. It's a 6.1 percent guaranteed income. Yes,
5: yes.
1: And you already have a substantial amount in non guaranteed assets. Or at least sums But when you, we get a time when the 10 year government bond is paying roughly two percent, to mm. get six percent, it's not an easy number. It would not without some no. risk. So. It's- well,
5: you, Especially you, with the market right now, taking that money and investing when the market is at, right at the top.
2: Well, we don't know whether it's at the top now or not. I we mean, know it's a new if high. If you think
1: about it this way, you've got three million dollars in savings. You've got a million dollars in your mm-hmm. pension. By by taking the pension, you're t- roughly saying I'm taking twenty five percent of my assets and guaranteeing a lifetime income with that. That's all you're doing at a six point one percent. I think it makes sense for you. Yeah, and you would so the-
5: like that. Uh, three-legged stool kind of a thing, you know, yep. you yep. got yep. social security, you got pension and you've got, uh, your 401k, which is invested in. Yep. In the market.
1: Yep. Correct. 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 Either which way you, and, okay. and I have a feeling next time we go through a downturn, which we will, you're going to be happy uh-huh. that you have a monthly income. Yeah. A guaranteed income. It's,
2: it's, Kaiser. it's, All it's right. the right thing for you to do. Um, and then just dig into the joint and survivor benefit for your husband and make that decision there. So, uh, depending upon the cost. It just, when you said it was only 100 to $200 a month, that just doesn't sound right to us. But anyway,
1: know. yeah, there's probably several ask. different options.
5: Okay. All righty. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thank
1: you. I'm glad you, uh, you called. And it's always okay. interesting, Beck, because every situation is so different. <laughs>
2: well, you know, what's interesting, Scott, is that she gave us the, we didn't have to ask her what the overall situation she. She was prepared. She was prepared. She <laughs> well, reeled it out for us. So maybe she had heard someone ask us that question previously. Big decision. That's a, it's a 1. That's a 1.1 million. Deal. That's a
1: huge decision. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it. All so, right.
2: Scott, um, this might be a little esoteric, but I found it extremely interesting. And, because you tend to find esoteric things. Well, in the financial markets, I wonder if we're watching the same movie again, which is – this is an article I came not. came across a while ago, uh, a few weeks ago that said non banks are the largest holders of collateralized loan obligations globally. Collateralized loan obligations globally. Does that sound familiar?
1: Aren't all loans collateralized loans? Not all loans are. Okay, aren't the credit cards not? Credit cards not. Aren't most loans collateralized loan most obligations. Most loans
2: are collateralized, but I think that the key here is that the non-banks are the largest. Because last trip around the block, uh. it was the banks that had the CLOs, which is part of the reason's the mortgage crisis, right? So there's about 750 billion dollars in Collateralized loan obligations are outstanding globally. And one-third are held by the banks in the U.S., Europe, and Japan. And the rest are ha- handled by non-banks, which are – who are they? Well, they're insurance companies. But this kind of brings me back to – Pensions. This, this kind of brings me back to when they were doing the stress testing for the banks – that they wanted to include some large insurance companies in the stress test because of their role in the global right. financial market. there was a big market. fight
1: over MetLife.
2: And there was a big fight over, hey, Very hey, large hey, political fight. Yeah, hey, we're insurance companies, but we're not that big, so you don't really need to stress test us. We're not part of the global financial situation. And I think, well, actually, you are. You're just not regulated like a bank is.
1: And you don't you want to. You have a be. different regulator. You're state regulated, not a you know, no national regulator like there's for the big, big difference.
2: Place. So, is this something that you look at and you say, is this, is this, is this affecting the bond markets? Is are there so many buyers out there that it's actually well, degrading know, the value of?
1: There's interest rates as low as they are, there's a lot of cash sloshing around, looking for a place to go higher yields. Higher yields, or positive yields. Okay,
2: and what happens? <laughs> what happens? Supply and demand. And if you're searching for a higher yield, oftentimes you actually have to go with less
1: certainty, more risk. More risk, which is what we're seeing here. Yeah. It's collateralized loan obligations. So be careful. You go looking for the highest yielding mutual fund, for example, it might be loaded up with a bunch of stuff you know. Oh, especially about. in bonds. Yeah, we are out of time, unfortunately. Hey, a couple things I want to let our listeners know about. One is we've got a couple other podcasts uh, on our website at allworthfinancial.com. One is The Art of Retirement. We interview some people regarding their retirement situations. It's kind of interesting. And also our Simply Money podcast. This is a show that airs in Cincinnati with uh, Amy Wagner and Nathan Eckerd. It's a daily show. You can get both of those there. And we're out of time, so we'll see you next week. The same station. This has been All Worth Financial's Money Matters.